wherever we are in our world, wherever God has placed you in the world, the Bible says that we are an ambassadors of Christ. Paul said that we are an ambassadors for Christ. In other words, wherever we walk, we are a walking embassy. In other words, whenever we walk, the, the, the ground that we stand on, there is something that reigns in that place, that, that, that the reign of the kingdom or the, the culture of the kingdom abides wherever we walk. That culture is manifested through the power of the Holy Spirit. My encouragement to you today is don't let that spiritual asthma get around your life. Don't get to the point where you can't even decide whether you want to come to church or so in the morning. It's kind of like, uh, there is so much more to your life. There is so much more that God wants for your life. I, God is... A, he still transforms people. When, when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, when you are hungry for the power of the Holy Spirit, when you are hungry for Him, He will come and He will radically transform your life. He radically transformed Peter's life. When Peter came on, uh, Peter was walking with Jesus, but then the Holy Spirit came on his life. He was radically transformed. His face, his demeanor, everything about him was completely renewed. He was not the same man. The same thing happened with Paul. Every person that the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon, they cannot help but remain, but be changed. And I want to encourage you today, never forget the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Don't get cold in your heart where he starts to move off or don't let the, uh, don't let disappointment, it's, it's easy for things to get around our heart that gets like an asthma and it crushes your soul. When things get disappointed, where things don't work out as you hope they'd work out where people don't do things that you think they will hope they would do. Often it gets like a, uh, an asthma, it gets around your soul, it gets around your emotions, it gets around your thinking. My encouragement to you today is every morning, every, at least every Sunday, at least come to the house of the Lord and get that asthma off your life. That's why, uh, come on. Sometimes you don't know how short a breath you are until you've been, been able to breathe fresh air again. Sometimes you get so used to living with asthma, this is not even what I was going to preach about. <laughs> but sometimes you get so caught with living with that. <laughs> you forget what it's like to, to breathe and to have the life inside of you again. You forget what it's like to walk in the life and the power of the Holy Spirit. You forget what it's like to walk in the joy of the Holy Spirit. You get so caught up with the negativity of people around you. You get so caught up with people's, oh, I was going to say a word, but it's the house of the Lord that... You get the point. Even as a pastor, I get around it. Sometimes I've got to take myself a, a somebody get me some spiritual ventilator and clear my lungs out a little bit. You know, hearing this or entertaining that or wallowing in your self-pity and misunderstandings and things like that, they all get like asthma and they shut, they shut down the flow of the Holy Spirit around your life. There are people here today, there is a great call of God upon your life. There is a great call of God. And the problem is it's not anyone else's fault. It's actually you allow things to get around your heart. You allow rejection to get around your heart. You allow your failings, your mistakes to get around your heart. And it shuts you down. I tell you what, you can't run the race that God has called you to run struggling with asthma. Man, I've tried to walk up a hill. <laughs> and that asthma comes on. <laughs> That's why you've got to come into the house of the Lord. Don't just be an island to yourself. Get into a place where you uh, allow His life to get around you afresh. When, you, when it comes time to worship, don't just give little claps. Give, give big claps. Oh, I can feel that ventilation starting to flow a little bit. 
Sometimes you get a little bit too much Ventolin. You can't even sleep at night. That heart starts going so hard. Your voice starts going. There's get so, oh, come on. There is so much that God wants for us to do. There's so much God wants to do through your life. But if you allow the, 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 the things, the atmosphere that people bring, or the, the atmosphere that you entertain. You know, the Bible, well, I preached about it last year, that a spiritual atmosphere is, is created by a response to a spiritual influence. And sometimes I, I, I know exactly when I come into contact with people, what kind of atmosphere, what kind of spirits that they're listening to, what kind of spirits that you entertain, because you can feel it around your life. I can feel when the spirit of rejection comes around a person. I can feel it. I know when they start to listen to that spirit. I can tell when somebody's listening to a spirit of faith. I can tell when somebody's praying and entertaining the Holy Spirit. Their demeanor is different. Their face is different. Their spirit is different. When people start to entertain rejection and failure, they will withdraw. Anyway, that's not what I was going to preach about, but here we go. One of the things I've been, I've just been sent to the Lord speak prophetically to me uh, and also to, to where, where the church is at right now and where we're heading to. And uh, there was things that just started to make sense. And I want to encourage you out of this, out of this piece of scripture here. The, it is found in Leviticus, Exodus, Leviticus. You've got your Bibles with you. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 5. If you've got your Bibles with you. Exodus. Leviticus chapter 9. Somebody say you got it? There we go. So it says in verse from verse 5, And they brought what Moses had commanded before the tabernacle of meeting, and all the congregation drew near. Somebody say draw near. And stood before the Lord. And, the Lord. and Moses said, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded you to do, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. Somebody say the glory of the Lord's going to appear to me. The glory of the Lord will appear to us. I can tell you right now, I believe that we're coming into a season where the glory of the Lord will come powerfully upon us afresh. I believe we'll come into a season where the glory of God will be manifest on us as a church, as a collective body, on your business, on your family, on your children. I believe it. I know it in my heart. Oh, excited about that. <laughs> And he goes, and, he said, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. And Moses said to Aaron, draw near to, this is from the, uh, um, from the Amplified Version. This is what the, he says, draw near to the altar. Somebody say, draw near. Draw near. I'm drawing near, today. I'm drawing near today. Moses said to Aaron, draw near to the altar. And hear what he says. Draw near to the altar. Offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make an atonement for yourself and for the people. And offer the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. In verse 8, And therefore he went to the altar and killed the calf for the sin offering, which, which was for himself. And then they went through a whole process. One of the things that may first strike you is this, is that, I don't know if you've ever seen an animal sacrifice. I have, uh, when I was in Pakistan, we, we, we were standing out in this hotel, we're looking outside, and next thing you know, somebody comes out into the corner with this goat. What are they doing with the goat? Next thing you know, they've cut the throat of the goat and leaving it to bleed in the gutter. And then they did it again. They did it four times, one in every... For us today, we don't... For us, we can be largely unfamiliar with what it even means to sacrifice. 
in this context, I mean, none of us have ever sacrificed an animal. None of us, even, we don't need to do that anymore. However, the, you may ask yourself, well, what has that got to do with today's life? What has that got to do with what God wants to do in our life today? Well, actually, the principle, the story, the narrative behind the story, the narrative of what is going on is exactly applicable to our lives. And the Bible says here that he says uh, the situation is simply this, that the Levitic, uh, the, the, the the temple or the sanctuary was finally completed. And so for a period of seven days prior to this, Moses had consecrated his sons to serve. Somebody say, consecrated to serve. So there's a time where the, where the, where the tabernacle or the sanctuary had got to a point where shifts were starting to happen, where shifts were about to be made. It got to a point in the journey, and, and next week I'm going, to, I'm going to unpack this a little bit more about why this is so important and the context in which this, this was sitting in. But one of the first things that Moses had done was he had consecrated Aaron and his sons to serve as priests. I don't know about you, but the, the, the whole point of consecration was simply to do this. The whole point of consecration, the, consecration, the word consecration simply means this. It means to make holy. In other words, and to, to cut a long story short, what it means is to, in today's environment, I would suggest that it means to, uh, to allow God and allow people to work on your life, to flush up whatever attitude is inside of there. One of the things we find out that um, there's something about heat that flushes things to the surface. It's one thing to be, I mean, we are made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ, but there are parts in our soul, that there are parts in our life that yet they have been, provision has been made for them, but actually we've still got to work them out. There are still attitudes, there is still uh, brokenness in our heart that we still need to work through. There is still a consecration process that has to take place before people can start to move into leadership. Essentially what Moses was doing was this. He was setting Aaron, he was setting people up for leadership. There was a shift that was about to take place in the, in the leadership. And Moses had been preparing for this. He had been working on those set group of people's lives. He had been consecrating them. He had been working with them. And you'll find that when it, preceding any shift of leadership, preceding any shift in your life, a step upwards into the call of God, preceding anything like that, you will find that there will be a consecrating going on inside of your life. You'll find that the Holy Spirit will work in your heart. You'll find that the Holy Spirit will work on your attitudes and He will use people to do it. <laughs> I tell you, you will feel the heat. You come here in the church and you lift, we lift our hands and show you how holy we are. Then it comes to having pastor challenge us in an area or our wife or our boss or our employer. Somebody starts to, somebody in authority starts to challenge a part of our soul. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. How many people know what I'm talking about? You feel the heat. Lord, I want to grow. I want to walk in the fullness that you have for me. I want to walk in everything that you have for me. I just want to keep growing and growing and growing. Righty-ho. Righty-ho. In order for us to grow, there's got to be a consecration in our heart. You'll find that there will be things. 
You can hear it now, but actually when it actually comes in your life, you just, most people withdraw. I can tell you now, to walk in leadership, to walk into the fullness of God, yes, it's exciting. Yes, there's a, there's a, there's a bigness to it and there's a spectacular part of it, but actually the process to get there is a painful one. The process to get there means you have to deal with your rejection, you have to deal with your fear. One of the things that I found was this. In order for me to come to bow to stand in this, in this office as a pastor, there was one thing to have it prophesied over and, and encouraged over my life, but it was another thing to stand in the face of rejection. It was another thing to stand in the face of opposition. It was another thing to stand and face my fears by myself. It was another thing to stand and be humble and allow people to speak into me and to shape my heart. And not withdraw. We like the idea of growing. We like the idea of God growing us. But when it comes to the pain of facing what we need to face in our heart and our lives, that is the point of our growth. I was... Um, uh, I was with a fast-growing company, and they, 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 they took us through their recruitment process. And one of the things about their recruitment process was this. They have the set interview, but then they have the informal interview afterwards. And the informal interview was their actual interview. That was where the decisions were made from, because people know that once they come to the, the actual interview, everyone's on their best behavior. But it was the interaction that took place after that, what they were looking for. They were looking to see how people interacted relationally, how people re- reacted socially. How do they they put, put people in social, uh, social situations which flushed out what was sitting in their heart, not what they pretended to be on the Sunday or in the inter- job interview. I want to encourage you today, even as a pastor, there are things that I will put on you, not because I hate you or I reject you or anything like that, Actually, it's because I believe in you, but I've got to have heat on you. I've got to have heat on me. I can tell you there's conversations that people have with me, and it puts the heat on me. It's not because they hate me, but it's a consecration process because I need to get victory over this in order for me to be able to do what I need to do, what God has called me to do. If, if I just go from here to here without going the process of the heat, By the time I get to here, I will not be able to handle it. If you want God to enlarge you, if you've got aspirations to be a minister, if you've got aspirations to be a leader, you will have to walk through a journey, and that journey is a process of consecration. It doesn't mean that God hates you. What it will do is this. It will challenge you into what are the voices that you entertain in your heart? What is it that's in there that shouldn't be in there, doesn't need to be in there? That's why we have courses. That's why we have things like Elijah House and, and the deliverance seminars. But what happens is it's the, the interactions afterwards. It's the interactions outside of that that really flush up what's going on inside of your heart. My encouragement to you today is this. This is not even what I was going to preach about. This is just the starting bit. My encouragement to you is, How well do you handle correction? How well do you handle somebody speaking and shifting an attitude inside of your life? It's got nothing. Don't misinterpret it as they hate me or they reject me. Actually, it's heat that I believe that the Holy Spirit allows to flush things up. Yes, God makes us holy, but yes, we've got to go through a journey and to flush up the things in our heart. 
My encouragement to you today is this, and, and you'll see over the next little while, I don't care if I'm about to preach all this right now, because I sense it's a prophetic word from God, so I'll just keep going. But you'll be free for lunch. <laughs> I don't want to move off too quickly, because I do believe it's such a powerful scripture in our, in our time right now. Moses had to consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve as priests. Interesting that Aaron was Moses' brother. And often, I don't know about you, but have you ever had an older brother that takes you through the consecration process? You think about Aaron, think about what he had to overcome. Moses, you're my brother. You know, the nature, you know, we used to hang out and, you know, the nature of the relationship sometimes shifts. Sometimes the familiarity that happens or that takes place between us can also be the blockage that stops us from growing. When you become, like Shane said, he said, when you become too familiar with what has become familiar to, that which has become familiar becomes unfamiliar. In other words, this. Don't become too familiar with the people. I mean, be familiar with me. Be familiar with the people that God has placed inside of your life. But don't come too familiar to the point where you lose power to be shaped. I have your life shaped, by the way. My dad is my dad. He's also my apostle. He's my good friend. We can laugh. We can joke together. But if I become too familiar, even though he's my dad, even though we have a blood relationship, if I become too familiar, what happens is then I lose the power that his office carries in order to shape my life. The reason I can be here today is because I can also submit myself to his authority. You'll find that will happen with your boss, in the secular employment. You'll find that will happen in every part of your life. Don't allow your relationships to become too bro, 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 and, and you'll lose the power out of it. Don't become too familiar where you stop uh, you, you, will you hinder the flow of, of, of the Holy Spirit inside of your life? That was just something I just saw right there. Until this time, essentially, if you look at what's going on in the story, essentially, until this point of time, Moses was filling a role that was not his to fill, his, his role to carry. Sometimes you'll find in life that you'll carry a role. It's an entrustment for a little bit, but it's not yours ultimately to carry. Sometimes God brings you and, and that's the part of the journey. That's the part of the journey that we're in. Sometimes we have to fill a role for a while, but it's not our ultimate call. I wonder, even in serving in the house here, sometimes you might be serving out here, you might be serving in the car park, you might be serving in places. That doesn't necessarily mean it's your final destination. Sometimes God has you serving in a place for a season, one, to flush things up in your heart, but it's not always your final destination. So Moses was a man that held this role as an entrustment. But here what's happening is there is a, uh, he was filling a gap, but it was not his primary calling. In one sense, this role. So Moses was called to lead his people out of Egypt, Egypt into the promised land. He wasn't called to be the high priest. Aaron, his brother, was called to be the high priest. Moses was called to be the leader. But up until this point, Moses had been training the boys. He'd been taking the boys on a journey. He putting them under some heat, did some training, talked to them about how you do things, what you do. So essentially there was, a, there was a fathering that was going on that was taking place. 
He was filling a role, a functional role, but yet in the same token, he was fathering his, his brother Aaron. He was fathering these people and bringing them up into what God had called them to do. That is the role of a father. A role of a father is not to have a static hold on a position, but rather allow and bring people on a journey to help them grow. And one of the things I have in our heart right now is that, one, that I don't hold this position for eternity. You don't hold the position that you have for an eternity, but God has you in a space and that God will bring people around you, but it's up to us to help people grow and to become all that God has for them to be. I am not going to hold the role of a senior pastor forever. But I have to create an environment. I have to put heat on people. I have to bring people on a journey to help them discover because who knows, maybe it'll be one of our young people sitting here right now. I can tell you if they're fasting at 15 years old. Church is in good health. In one sense, this role that Moses had had come to an end. There are roles you'll find in life that will just come to an end. I mean, with parenting, with you'll always be a parent, but there are roles that have come to an end. The role that Moses had held had come to an end. Others, plural, have been raised up now. In other words, there was one leader that he rose up, but there were actually a whole tribe of Levites that also rose up to carry on that role. One of, what, one of the things that we've got to be doing is not just growing in our heart, but we've got to be growing the people around us, raising other people up, as opposed to the role being just like that. Actually, it starts to move out a little bit more. You notice in this transaction, you notice the change that happened here. Other people had been gone through the fire and started to pick up responsibility. You can't pick up the responsibility unless you've been through the fire. You can't fulfill that role that God has for you unless you've walked through some fire. One of the things you also notice about Moses was this. He didn't just take off. <laughs> oh, my job here is done. Good luck on your journey. <laughs> One of the things I notice about some people is when a role is fulfilled, often they just bolt. They can't always handle the unsettledness that, that, take, that happens with that. You notice my dad never bolted. He could have. <laughs> he could have. There were other things that he could have done. But one of the things about Moses was this. He didn't just take off, but he remained totally committed to the journey with the people that God has put in his life. Whenever you have a change of role, sometimes there's an uncertainty around that. Sometimes it's un, you don't know what the next step is. What does that mean? What does it mean for my role now? I need to let go of this. And, you know. But actually what it is, it's a, it was a step in Moses' journey as well. My encouragement to you today is when your roles change, doesn't necessarily mean that relation, the nature of relationships change, but doesn't necessarily mean that you take off. Moses was 100% committed to the journey. And I love what my dad has done as, he, as his role was changed. He stepped back a little bit to give me a little bit of space. But he never disengaged relationally, and he never disengaged from the church. In fact, he has come to a point now where his role in the church has changed. He could have been traveling all over. I mean, he is traveling right now. <laughs> but that could have been his whole new lifestyle to cut, cut a whole new different track. But he's committed to the nature. That, my friend, is a true father. There's a leadership lesson right there. Now it had become the time for them to start their service. Interesting the words that he says to 
If you can imagine what was going on in this place. What had just happened there? The tabernacle had just been filled that Moses had brought these people through on a, on, on a journey and consecrated them. Now was their time to step into what God had called them to be and called them to do. And one of the things that you must have known, as I started to think about this, that there was an altar there. And previous, prior to this, it was Moses that was the one that did all the sacrificing and all the offerings and things like that. This time it was going to be different. But one of the things it says here is, says to Aaron, come near to the altar or draw near to the altar. Draw near to the altar. What it implies is this, and it implies this, that up until this point, that Aaron, although he was called as the high priest, had stayed absent or stayed away from the place of the altar. You can get the picture now. I mean, the, the Amplified Translation says it the better. But one of the things that um, the Hebrew scholars have, have also noticed about this was that uh, come near to the altar, he says, and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and the people. Sacrifice the offering that is for the people and make atonement for them as the Lord, of command, as the Lord has commanded. One of the things about the altar is this. One, it's a place of worship and sacrifice. It's a place of worship and sacrifice. Today, in, in, in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, we don't actually have to have a physical altar that we light a fire. We have to cut an animal and burn it on there. Actually, God requires, he, he doesn't dwell out there anymore. He dwells in our heart. So the altars that we build in our life today, the place of, uh, the sac- the place of sacrifice is still there. It's just in our heart. And for us to go into a new season, and for, uh, for us to walk into the things that God has for us, it constantly requires us to come to a place of sacrifice. It requires us to come to the place of the altar in our heart. Every person in this place today will have an altar of some sort in your heart. Either the altar is your boat or your house or uh, some materialistic thing. The altar could be your business. The altar could be uh, a piece of brokenness in your heart. That every time uh, the heat comes on, you pay homage to that. You don't need to pay homage to your brokenness. You need God's healing power to come into there. The altar is a place of sacrifice. The altar in our heart, what we build, it's the place of adoration. It's the place of sacrifice. It's the place of exchange with the Lord. Every one of us is building an altar in our heart at some place. The question is, what and who is the altar to? There is always a place of sacrifice. So one, the, the altar represents the place of, of worship and sacrifice. In this instance, it also represents the call of God. Somebody say the call of God. In this instance, in this, particular part, in this particular case, it represents the call of God upon a specific person's life. And this specific person was standing away from it. The question is, why was he standing away from it? Why was he not, at this point, walking into the fullness of what God had for him? What was in his heart that caused him to stand away? My question to you is this, if... You may be aware of the call of God upon your life, but often there's a hesitancy inside of our life to actually embrace it. The question is why? Why would we do that? Why are we too afraid to sacrifice? One is the cost. But in this particular instance, there was something that was going on inside Aaron's life that caused him to hesitate and caused him to stay away from the altar. I know people today that there is a great call of God upon their life. I know it, I can see it. I've heard it, I've heard it, heard it prophesied over. But why don't they embrace it? Why don't they walk into it? 
Why is it they, they stand off? Why is there a gap between where they are here now and where they're supposed to be? And one of the things that struck me is this. Why was there such a... For me, I felt this, that Aaron had issues in his heart in approaching the altar. One of the things that you'll find is this. Whenever God calls you to something, you'll find it will flush things up in your heart. All of a sudden, you become aware of the things in your life that are not right. All of a sudden, what you'll find is, I don't know about you, but you'll have memories of things that you've done in the past that you try and disqualify yourself for, that you can use as a justification to stop you going there. It's kind of like, I don't know about you, but sometimes you meditate and think, God, if only you knew what I was like. And you say, well, I, I, I do know what you're like. <laughs> if, I, if only you knew what I'd done. Yeah, I, yeah, I know that. If only you knew what happens to me when the lights go out and when I'm all by myself. Yeah, I know that. I was there, you went by yourself. But you don't know, Lord. Yes, I do know. It's like a kid trying to hide behind. You don't know what I've got behind my back? Yes, I do. I'm your mama. It wasn't that long before, prior to that. You look at what God was calling them to do. God was calling him to be one, the high priest. What does the high priest do? The high priest is the one that stands in the gap and offers atonement for his own sin, the Bible says, stand in the gap for your sin and the sin of the people. I say, okay, yeah, what's, what's the issue with that? Well, if you think about a few months prior to that, Moses had gone for a hikoi up the hill, and the people down below were a little bit frustrated with, with, with Moses, and he's not coming. And so they went to Aaron, and they said to Aaron, we're a little bit hacked off with, with Pastor Moses, and we, we just need to do something ourselves. And so Aaron said, well, I tell you what, you just give me your, just give me your rings, give me your earrings. And, and uh, anyway, he made this altar of calf, he made, and, uh, and that's a whole different story. But the point being is this, Aaron himself essentially was responsible for leading the people of God into one of the most disastrous episodes ever in their journey. Such so that as a result of Aaron leading his people into the place of idolatry and things like that, 3,000 men lost their lives as a result. You tell me you haven't walked through failure before. When Moses came down from that hill, the Bible says he was red hot. I'm going to whip that boy. (laughs) What the heck have you done? It wasn't that long ago where Aaron had made the massivest muck-up he could possibly do, and it cost the lives of 3,000 men. Moses said, oh, well, I have to go up there and sort it out with the Lord myself. It's a whole different story. But the point being is this. It was Aaron's internal weakness that caused that in the first place. And when Aaron was confronted over it, one of the things, Aaron was a good talker. The first thing he did was made some evasive excuses. Well, it was the people that did that. They gave, and they gave me the earrings. They gave me the stuff. I put it in the fire. And what do you know? Out came this calf all by itself. I can tell you now, as a pastor, when I've spoken into people's lives and challenged them on issues, by hokey, can that tongue flow? <laughs> oh, it, it's, it wasn't me. It was them. They made me do it. They gave me the stuff and a bit of it. 
that's a whole other thing. But you've got to understand when Aaron was essentially being asked to do was to fulfill the role that had made a complete and utter mess up in. I love this about God. The Bible says that He turns our weaknesses into strengths. He turns our mourning into dancing. He gives us beauty for ashes. You don't think that God is aware of what you have done? You can't hide that from Him. I remember there was a time when I was in the youth and there was nightclubs going, right? And uh, people were going up there and the youth leader said, guys, it's probably not a good place for you to go up to the nightclubs. What does the pastor's son do? Guys, let's go up to a nightclub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and look at this. Aaron was simply, Aaron had issues in the heart and is approaching the core. Moses said to them, why are you holding back? Or why is it that you're so withdrawn in your heart? It was for this. It was because of this that God has chosen you. Aaron was not simply somebody lacking in self-confidence, but there was something specific that he must have had in his heart on that day that he was inducted or called into the role of the high priest. Aaron had been left in charge of the people. Aaron's weakness allowed it to happen. Aaron at that point was profoundly and uncomfortable with his role in one of those disastrous episodes in their journey. I don't know about you, but how many people here, you don't have to put your hand up, but you know in your heart. You're aware of maybe there's been a real muck up in your life. Maybe you've done something. Maybe you've been involved with something. Maybe you have yeah, feel like you've mucked up as a mom or Maybe you've mucked up as a dad, or maybe you're aware of the things that are not right in your heart. It's because of that that Christ wants to come. It's because of that. Because when we give that part to Him, when we don't withdraw from Him and allow Him to call us forward, as Moses did to Aaron, you will find that that's where the glory of God shines the brightest. One of the things was this. Aaron knew he was called to that role, but he's standing off thinking, how could I possibly go and atone for the sins of my, my sins and the sins of my people when it was only last year that I made the biggest muck up? And those men's wives, they're still not talking to me. They're still ticked off with me. But yet he's still in his heart. All of us will find ourselves their weaknesses in our heart. Interesting that Moses didn't say something that would just build his self-confidence. Moses spoke into his heart something different, much more radical and life-changing. It was because of this that you were chosen. Moses must have said to him this, you know what sin is like. You understand what it's like to be broken. You understand what it's like to, to wrestle with people. You understand what it's like to wrestle with guilt. You understand what it's like to, to walk through what you've walked through. And because you understand that, that's why I'm calling you forward into the role where you can help other people walk in that role. One of the things you'll find is whenever you walk into the call of God, 
all your insecurities will flush up. The reason Moses knew that was because he had to do it himself. When Moses was called to lead his people out, one of the first things he said was, are you sure I can't speak like that? I don't have the strength of speech like a a leader should have. I don't have this. One of the things that Moses did was this. He was fully aware of his own weaknesses, but he was also fully aware of the grace of God that came around his life. In the same way that he was aware, he was also able to help Aaron. What you think of as your greatest weakness or see as a failure will become, in this role you're about to assume, your greatest strength. You know, even for me coming in as a pastor, what I was weak in was leadership. What I was weak in was self-confidence. What I was weak in was struggling with fear and rejection. What I was weak in, I didn't need just an encouragement. I didn't need a devil cast out of me. What I needed was somebody to believe in me. What I needed was to embrace that and to walk through that. And because of that, God put me here. I wonder what God has brought you through. Moses had a speech defect. To him, he was disqualified. But you'll find that even people like Isaiah and Jeremiah, one of the most amazing prophets of the Old Testament, also had speech speech issues. The point here was not simply the struggle, the acceptance of a weakness. The point is the struggle or the wrestle that we have to go through. I can't just say, oh, it's just going to be okay, just walk through it. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. I can't wave my hand. I can't just say a magic prayer. I can't just take you through a deliverance prayer. You have to wrestle at it in your own soul. Just recently we had a pastor here and he preached on wrestling with God. You have to wrestle with issues in your heart. You have to wrestle with the issues of weakness. You have to wrestle with the issues of sin. I have to wrestle with it. I'm sure if I have to, you will. I have to wrestle with rejection. I have to wrestle with fear. I have to wrestle with not feeling good enough. I still wrestle with that. I still wrestle with, God, am I good enough? And the more I entertain that, the more I withdraw. But if I start to wrestle with God, I think that I am here because of all that. You may be here and you may be aware of what you're not good at. But it's because of that that God is calling you to draw near. It's not just about you and your weakness. The role that God was calling Aaron into was to stand as a leader of that nation and to bring hope and to bring life, not just for himself, but for the people that God had placed around him. Your weakness is not just a weakness just for the heck of it. That wrestle is because God has something inside of you that He wants to bring into the world. You may be wrestling with insignificance. You may be wrestling with rejection. You may be wrestling with the whole thing about either you're a good mum or you're a good dad. Whatever it is, whatever that wrestle is going on inside of you, whatever that is inside of you that is causing you to stand back from the call of God upon your life. It's because of that 
that you were chosen. That was because of that. Why would you stand back? Those feelings inside of you can be either good or bad. I'm just going to finish with this. It's depending on what you do with them. Do they lead you into depression and despair? Or do they lead you to work at your weakness and turn them into strengths? The journey to fulfilling God's call upon our lives requires us to go through the process of consecration. Consecration is a wrestle, and it's a wrestle in our heart. Today I want to ask you the question, what are you, what are we called to let go of? What is the altar that God is drawing us, calling to us to come near today? Today I'd love for you just to close your eyes and to bow your heads. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy over our lives. Father, I thank you that you've called every one of us. You've called us as individuals. You've called us as a church. Today, I thank you today that you are once again calling us to the altar. Father, you're calling us to an altar of sacrifice where we've got to wrestle with some things in our heart calling us into a place of consecration. Today I want to ask you the question, what is it in your life that is stopping you from drawing near today? I believe, one, this is a prophetic word because of the season that we're in, and I'm going to unpack this for you next week. But I know in my heart that God is calling me, I know He's calling you, and I know He is calling us. I would invite you this morning as we're going to stand and worship. If you feel in your heart today, if you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you're feeling, oh, Pastor, speaking to me. I invite you to come to the front, to stand as we worship, to come to the front, to lift your hands and to, in your heart, build an altar before the Lord. Make a tangible response of drawing near to Him today, drawing near to what He has called you to do. Make a tangible response this morning that you will consecrate yourself, that you will allow yourself to be taken through that journey of rest. Because on the other side of that, God will use us to bring hope to many, many people. I would invite you to do that right now. Let's close our eyes, let's worship. And let's, if you feel in your heart, I would love for you to just to make a response. You do business with the Lord this morning.